Well, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 10. We're continuing our study of God's final revelation. It's the book of Revelation. Of course, Jesus Christ gave it to John. John wrote it down, sent it to the seven churches. And then, of course, it becomes in our scripture, and it is the word of God. And what we see as we study this, do we see in the book of Revelation, God's plan unfolds as he brings judgment and restoration. And the seven-year tribulation time period is actually for the nation of Israel. It's called Jacob's trouble or Israel's trouble. And there's judgment on the world. One great truth is all of us who know Christ as Savior, if you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, Jesus is going to come in the clouds any second. He could come any time. We'll be taken off the face of the earth. We will not be going through the tribulation. So our goal is to tell other people about Christ so that they won't have to go through this time. Uh, this, in this passage this morning, we call it the angel in the little book because the book is God's word and an angel gives to John uh, some more information. When you think about uh, God and, and his word and revealing himself, you think about it, God has revealed himself to us in three ways. From the world around us, from the creation, we can see his sovereignty and power. From his son, Jesus Christ, we can see his character. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then we have the written revelation, the word of God. As Peter says, it is a more sure word. Second Timothy says it is inspired by God, which means God breathed. God gave us the word of God. Second Peter says the word of God came from God to man and from God through man and, and by the Holy Spirit. So when you think about the Bible, it is perfect. It is God's written revelation. It is what we need to know. So as we start, let me just remind you, my background, I, I always liked books. I always did. When I was young, I had an older sister that for Christmas or my birthday, she would always give me a book because I love to read. I read about Daniel Boone and the Alamo and all the great stuff growing up. But I went to college and something changed. When I went to college, I believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I wandered into a Bible study. Most of you know my testimony. I wandered to Bible study, shut the door, couldn't get out, heard the message, and understood and believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. From that point on, I, I loved books, but there was one book I loved the most, and that is the Word of God. And, of course, uh, I remember, I've told this story before, so most of you know it, but Knapp is the guy that led me to Christ. He was a pastor. He gave me the first Bible I ever had, and I never had a Bible. I'd never read the Bible. Didn't know anything about it. I figured you start by the front, so I, and I noticed it said Old Testament. So I read the front. I read Genesis. It was amazing. I read Exodus. It was amazing. I got to Leviticus and I, I thought, this is not that amazing. I mean, it's okay, but it's just a little bit messed up. So I thought maybe I'll flip over to the new part. And so I flipped over to the New Testament. I began to read it and study it and, and love it. And since then, of course, I love the Bible and, and to study it. God has revealed himself to us. We have the complete revelation of God. Now, when we Think about that this morning. We're looking at the book of Revelation, which is the la basic last book of the Bible, but it's the last revelation. And God is giving more, basically more information to John as we go through this book. Let me give you an idea, remind you of how the book of Revelation fits together. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 is really the church age, the first part, and then uh, seven letters to the churches. Chapters 4 and 5, John gets taken up to heaven. He sees Jesus Christ and the Father. Chapters 6 through 19, which is where we are now, we're in chapter 10, it is the tribulation time period. It is a seven-year time period. We're getting the details. It's broken into really three different sections. There's, there's a whole big overview, and then there's two kind of uh, 
uh, real detailed things. Chapter 20 gets, comes the kingdom, a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, and then what we call the eternal state. And we'll see that as well. You can break the book down this way just by looking at it. From Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, Jesus told John, write the things you have seen, that's chapter 1. Write the things that are, that's chapters 2 and 3, the churches. And then write the things that will be, beginning in chapter 4 all the way through, is future stuff. And that's basically what, what uh, he, we're seeing and going through this. Let me remind you, chapter 6 of the book of Revelation is an entire overview of the tribulation. If you said, I want to know about this tribulation, I know it's a seven-year time period, I know there's all kinds of stuff happening on the earth, I want to know about that, you can go to Revelation chapter 6 and study, and that's the six or seven seals that are broke. There's a, a thing, and Jesus gets it in a scroll, and he breaks the seven seals, and the seven seals take us all the way through the whole tribulation. It's like in one chapter, and you can put it together. If you also want to be able to do that, go to Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, Jesus stands with three of his disciples and teaches them the tribulation. That's Matthew 24. So we've seen in chapter 6 the overview of the tribulation, and then basically in chapters 8 and 9, we get the details of the last three and a half years of this tribulation. Just for you to understand how this fits, the tribulation is seven years long. It's called the 70th week of Daniel. It's seven years long. It begins with a covenant made by the man we call the Antichrist or the beast that rises out of the sea. That's what he's called. I want you to understand something. Many people believe that when the rapture happens and we're all gone, immediately is the tribulation. No. When we're gone, we're taken off the face of the earth. There's going to be some time of something because the tribulation does not begin until the Antichrist, the beast, makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. And when that happens, the covenant is made, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, and there's the first three and a half years, which is called the tribulation. The second three and a half years is called the great tribulation. In the first part, we see that it starts with peace, it goes to war, it goes to famine, it goes to death. Halfway through, <clears throat> the Antichrist puts an idol up in the temple of himself, claims to be God. It's called the abomination desolation. It's found in Daniel or in Matthew. And then the last part, the last three and a half years is what we've been seeing in the trumpet judgments. Later on, there'll be the bowl judgments. We'll see those as well. And that's where all of these things have been happening. Now, last week, we saw, I think, probably one of, I mean, really the most horrible things you could ever see. These, the, the, the judgment on the earth, a hole opened up, an abyss, and what came out were these things that looked like locusts, but they weren't locusts. And they had faces like people and mouths like lions and hair like a woman and a crown on top of their head. And they looked like a locust, but they had a tail that would come up. And they stung people who were not believers. And they stung them for five months. And it was so horrible that people wanted to die, but they couldn't die. And then after that, we saw last week that four angels came up out of the Euphrates River and fixed the way that 200 million beings, and we think they were demons, or are demons, came across, and these killed people. Now, the, the locusts harmed people and made them wish they were dead. These, whatever these beings were, and they, they looked like they were, had riders on horses, and the horses had lions, lions' faces, and the tails of the horses came out, and they had serpents' heads on the end. And so this was all horrible, and we saw this. And I wanted to remind you, and I just wanted you to think about this. We saw this last week, and we said, this is one of the most horrible things you could ever imagine. Well, anyone who has never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life 
that if Jesus comes right now and all the believers are taken off the face of the earth, they will go through this time period. So what we say is we need to share the message. We need to make sure that people have believed in Christ for eternal life. And let me just say this. It's a big crowd today. Uh, There may be people in here who have never understood that salvation is a gift. It's not your works. It's not trying to be good. It's not uh, doing something to get to God. Jesus Christ died for you, paid for your sins, and rose again. And he offers to you a gift, and the gift is eternal life. A gift is not something you can get and, and, and earn. It's something given to you freely. God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his son Jesus to die and rise again, that whosoever anyone would believe in him, it's just faith, would never perish but have everlasting life. He offers everlasting life. If you've never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, right where you're sitting right now, you can say, Lord, I believe Jesus will give me eternal life. He is my Savior. I believe in him for eternal life. And you're saved and saved forever. So, Because the stuff we're seeing in the book of Revelation is really, really, really horrible. I mean, it really is. Um, the judgments, uh, uh, this is the best way to look at them. The Chapter 6 has the uh, seven seal judgments, and it starts and goes to the end of the tribulation. And then the trumpet judgments start, and we think it's in the second half, and it goes to the end of the tribulation. And the bowl judgments start, and we go to the end. So all three of these all end with the second coming of Jesus Christ. So that's how we think that they all sort of fit together. We've already seen the seven seal judgments. We're right in the middle. Basically, we're almost through with the seven trumpet judgments. And where we are now, we've seen six of the seven trumpet judgments, and then there's what they call an interlude or uh, a stopping place. And for the next two chapters, chapter 10 and chapter 11, in chapter 10, we're going to see an angel in the book. In chapter 11, we're going to see two witnesses. And then when that's over, we go back and we get the seven the seventh trumpet judgment. And so we're going to see how all this fits together. And this morning, the angel in the book. And we're going to see it. Last time we saw that terrible, terrible, terrible judgments. And let me just say this. We've talked about this. People say things like, well, if things got really bad, it makes people turn to God. Not necessarily. Sometimes in people's lives, something bad happens to them. It makes them think about God, and they turn to God and maybe believe in Jesus Christ. In this tribulation time period, all these bad things are happening. This judgment does not cause people to turn to God. Notice Revelation 9. This is what we saw last week. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not Repent, the word means repent means change your mind. Change your mind of the works of their hands. As so not to worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, wood, stone, neither can see or walk. They did not repent, change their mind of their murders, their sorceries, their immorality. And so it basically says that even in the midst of this great judgment, these people, these unbelievers on the face of the earth aren't turning to God. Now let me just say something. Turning to God and stopping all this doesn't save you. Salvation is a gift by faith. You may stop doing something bad that makes you stop think, start thinking and then you realize you need to believe in Jesus Christ. But the point from last week was even in the midst of judgment, it did not make these people stop doing what they were doing or even think about God. Well, we get now to the, the next part and this is going to be the scene. The scene's going to change from heaven to the earth and look what John sees. Now let me just remind you of something. For Some of you haven't been here maybe been gone for the summer and you've missed some of it. You were here last year. Maybe some of it is your first time here. The book of Revelation is amazing. John's on this island and Jesus Christ appears to him and gives him new revelation. John is taken up to heaven and he begins to see what it's like in heaven. God the Father's on the throne. The Son is there. The Son breaks the seven seals and starts the judgments on the earth. So we've been seeing all this, and this now is like a little interlude because we just saw six 
judgments. An uh, uh, angel would come and blow a trumpet, and when he blew a trumpet, something would happen on the earth. Fire came down and destroyed something, all those kind of things, things I mentioned a while ago. So look what happens now. Beginning in chapter 10, it's sort of the interlude. Look what it says. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a, light, with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And so John sees this angel come down. John sees another angel coming down out of heaven. And when you start looking at this angel, he's, he's powerful. He's, he's clothed with a cloud. He's got a rainbow. His face looks like the sun. His face like pillars. And some people say, oh, they think that's Jesus. Some people say, oh, I, it's not really an angel. It's Jesus coming to, to, to John. Well, first of all, Jesus is never called an angel. The closest thing to it is in the Old Testament, there are some places where Jesus was called the angel of the Lord. Once he, was, once he became a human being, he was never called angel of the Lord again. So this we'll see in just a little bit that this is an actual angel. And so this angel comes down, and, and of course he's, he's serving God. I mean, that's, that's what he's coming to do. And by the way, realize whether they're good angels or bad angels, they all serve God. God uses everything. He's sovereign. We need to think about that we are also to glorify God in our lives. We're to serve him. So look what happens. It says he's clothed with a cloud. That literally means wrapped, wrapped in a cloud. So he's coming down, and he's got this rainbow on his head. And the rainbow in the scripture represents or is like God always remembers his promises. You remember when he, cre- when he flooded the world, he said, I'm going to put a rainbow up there, and when I see the rainbow, I'll remember that I will never destroy the world by flood again. So rainbow goes back to promises, and so he's got this rainbow. His face looks like the sun. It's so bright. He has feet that are like that burning, and then we see something uh, about it. It says, and he had in his hand a little book which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Well, I want you to think about this. First of all, he, he has this little book in his hand, and it's a small little book, and it's already opened. Do you remember the first book we saw? It was a scroll. When it says book, it doesn't mean a book like our books. It means a scroll. The first one we saw in the book of Revelation was the seven-seal book or scroll that Jesus opened. This book is already open. This is a little scroll that's already opened that John sees, and he sees it's open. Now, this angel is big, okay? Notice... And he's placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. So when John sees him, he looks like a, a big creature standing there with one foot on the ocean, basically, and one foot on the land. And uh, he's there. And it says, <clears throat> and he cried out, verse 3, he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. Well, now he cries out. It sounded like a lion. I don't know if you ever heard a lion really roar. I went to the zoo. Most of the time you go to the zoo and the lions just kind of sit there, you know, and they just look at you and they don't do anything. And you want them to make a noise or move around or something. But one time I went to the zoo and the lion actually roared. And it was so loud. I mean, it, it's kind of scary. I mean, even glad that there's something between it, between you. But I mean, they're, they're powerful. And so it says, he made, he cried out with his voice and it sounded almost like a lion roaring. It was so loud and so powerful. And it says, and when he cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. Now we go, what? What are we talking about? What do you mean the seven peals of thunder? Well, the seven peals of thunder, there's something that sounded like thunder but it could be understood. It sounded like it was thundering, but it was actually saying something. The sound of thunder actually said something. Well, how do we know that? We're going to see it in just a second. But it said, the peals of thunder uttered their voices. And John heard it. 
John knew exactly what this thunder said. So look what he does in verse 4. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. He said, okay, I heard it. I'm going to write it down. I heard it, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. See, John was about to write down the information, and God says, don't write it down. Now, you and I could say, I wonder what they said. John knows, I mean, someday you get to heaven, get to be with John, you might go up to him and say, what does the thunder say? But he may say, I can't tell you. Who knows? We don't know. We don't know what it said. You know, here's something you got to think about. God did not tell all that he's going to do. You know, we have the revelation from God, the whole Bible, from Genesis to, to, Genesis to Revelation, the entire thing is all complete and perfect. And yet, there are things in there we don't know. There are things he's never told us. There may be things he never tells us. I've heard people say, when we get to heaven, we'll know everything. No, you won't. First of all, you're not God. You're not going to know everything. Second is, there's a whole bunch of things that maybe God has done or said or done that we'll never know. He's not obligated to tell us everything he ever does or wants to do. And even here, the seven thunders spoke, and John heard it and was going to write it down, and God said, don't write it down. And it's not written. Obviously, it's not in this book. Okay? We're going to see that he's going to get some more information that will be in this book. But so look what happened then. Verse 5, Then the angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, lifted up his right hand to heaven. Now watch what he does. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and everything in it, and the earth and all the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, and there will be a delay no longer. Now here's this angel, and this angel lifts up his hand to heaven. And so we know this is not Jesus. This is not Jesus swearing to God because Jesus is God. This is an angel making, basically swearing and, and speaking and, and swore to the God who created the heavens and everything in it and the earth and everything in it and the sea and everything in it. And so it's just a, an amazing thing. So this is an angel, a powerful angel. Now we've talked about this over and over. Angels are such powerful beings. If an angel appeared here right now, and made his presence known, we would all be scared, every one of us. We'd all, be, we'd all be afraid. We'd probably all put our faces on the ground because these are beings that are very powerful beings. Now, uh, man is made a little lower than the angels, and one day we're going to judge the angels according to 1 Corinthians. But right now, when we think about angels, they're powerful beings, and this angel is going to raise his hand and swear by the one who lives forever and ever, the eternal God, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it. And so he is the creator. I want to put this up. God is indeed eternal. He's always existed. When we talk about God being eternal, it means he's always existed. There's never been a time he didn't exist. There'll never be a time he will not exist. He's always existed, and he's the creator. Now, I brought this out last Wednesday night in my class at, on angels and demons. There is a difference between being eternal and having eternal life. God is eternal. He's always existed from the past as far back as ever, ever, all the way to the future. He is eternal. We have eternal life. Eternal life means we live forever with Jesus Christ. But we're not eternal because we had a beginning. There was a time that God created you in your mother's womb. And so we, are, we have eternal life but we're not eternal in the sense like God is. So there's a difference between being the eternal God who's always existed and a person who has eternal life, which comes by faith. Not only is he eternal, but he's the creator. He spoke and formed everything out of nothing, out of nothing. 
when you go back to Genesis 1-1, you go to uh, the book of uh, Hebrews, it talks about God made all things out of nothing. He just spoke it into being. He just spoke it into being. Now, notice the end of that verse. He says, uh, uh, he swore by him, and it says, there, there will be delay no longer. He's what he's going to say. It's when the seventh angel sounds his trumpet. That's the end. That means that when the seven seals are over, that's the end. When the seven trumpets are over, that's the end. When the seven bowls are over, that's the end. They all come together at one time. Notice verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants the prophets. When that angel finds the seventh angel sounds, there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. When that happens, they all come together at the same time, and that's the end of the tribulation. Now, we're seeing it in different ways. We saw it in chapter 6. Now, we're seeing it in these chapters. We're going to see it a little bit later. And each time, God is giving more details of what's about to happen. Chapter 6, just a big overview. Chapters 8 and 7, 8 and 9, a lot more details. We're going to see later on in the, in the uh, bowl judgments, he's going to give a lot more information. Now, I want you to notice what he says. The mystery of God is finished as he preached to the servants, the prophets. A mystery in the Bible is something that was not revealed in the past but is now made known. Well, what God did is as time went by, he gave more and more information about what he's going to do, and he gave it through the prophets. And if you, you think about it, there's, he gave information, well, let, let me do this. He gave information about the nations, the church, the tribulation, the kingdom, the eternal state, all of those things that God is working at. You understand that when you go back to the Bible and you go look at Isaiah, Isaiah talked about the tribulation and Isaiah talked about the kingdom and Isaiah talked about the eternal state. When you go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel talks about a war that takes place in the tribulation. When you go to different prophets in the Old Testament, they give information. Let me remind you, this is a chart. And as I've said, there's a, there's a, a card out there on the table as you go out. You can pick this chart up uh, and it gives you information. All the Old Testament was looking forward. And the Old Testament talked about the first coming of Christ, how he would die. The Old Testament talks about the second coming of Christ, how he would reign. The Old Testament talks about the tribulation. The Old Testament talks about the, the kingdom. It talks about the great judgment. It talks about eternity. The Old Testament, all this, this mystery is talked about. Now, the only thing the Old Testament never talked about was the church. Paul wrote and said the church was a mystery and not told until after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why you won't find the church in the Old Testament. You won't find the rapture in the Old Testament. What you'll find in the Old Testament is the first coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, the kingdom, and the tribulation. He's saying when this is over, that's the end of it. And so he says, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God is finished as he preached to the prophets. If you go to, Dan you go to Isaiah 9, Daniel chapter 9, Ezekiel 38, 39, Joel chapter 2, Zechariah chapter 14, if you go to all those places, they all talk about the events that we're talking about today. Seven bowls, seven trumpets, all of that ties together. Let me remind you again. 
This is something that you must, and I go over this a lot. We've been doing the book of Revelation for a while now, and we go over this because so many of you may say, well, J.B., I think I got it, but there's people new every time, but also I want you to really have it. This is that final seven years we call the tribulation. The first part's the tribulation, second part, the great tribulation. First three and a half years, the peace pact breaks the peace pact in the middle. It starts with peace, goes to war, goes to famine, goes to death. Antichrist puts an idol up. We're going to see that the idol is a robot. It's an AI. It's what it is. The idol that the, the, the Antichrist puts an idol of himself that looks just like him and talks and demands to be worshipped in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, the temple's not there now. It's going to be built. It's going to be rebuilt. That happens right there. And then the second half is all these things we've been seeing, all of this stuff that's been going on. And so there's so much there. I just wanted you to see how all that ties together. Now, John gets some instructions. Look what happens, verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me and saying, Go, take the book which is, in, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So he actually told him to go get the book. You can see John standing there and this giant angel has a book in his hand and the voice from heaven says, Go get the book. So John says, So I went to the angel telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter but in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. He says, actually, eat the book. You say, what, what, what does that mean? What is that talking about? Well, it's the idea of taking the truth and then give it back. Because he says, what's going to happen is when you eat it, it'll taste really good. But when it gets down to your stomach, it'll make your stomach upset and you want to throw up. And so it's like, I'm going to take in the message and then I got to give out the message. So this, this, is, this has happened before. Ezekiel. Then he said, God said to Ezekiel, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll. Go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. He said to me, son of man, feed your stomach, fill your body with this scroll, which I'm giving you. I ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. If we went on in Ezekiel, he got sick from eating it and he threw it up. And when he threw it up, it means he gave the message out. And what he's telling here is, John, you're going to eat the book. And when you eat the book, it's going to taste really good. And then when it gets down in your stomach, it's going to make you have an upset stomach. And it's like, you're going to get the message from God. And now you've got to give out the message from God. It's powerful. So look what he did. Verse 10. So I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And in my mouth, it was sweet as honey. That's what they said. That when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. He said, it, it, you know, uh, it, take the book and eat it. And it was sweet as honey, but bitter in the stomach. Now watch. Is he going to give this? Is he going to take the words from this book and tell them to other people? Look at the next verse, the last verse, verse 11. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Now, what's he talking about? The best we can understand, it may be the rest of the book of Revelation is what he's going to prophesy again to give the rest of the information. John must again give the revelation. Well, I'm kind of glad for the interval because next week we have an interval of the two witnesses and we'll see that because the judgments are so horrible. You almost hate talking about them. But we have to teach the Bible exactly what it says and how it fits together. So John has now got a little book. He ate it. His stomach is messed up. And they said, you will prophesy again about peoples, nations, tongues, and kings.
So the angel comes down, and he's like a big shining angel. He's standing on the sea and on the land, and he th- their thunders give a voice, and John's going to write it down, but they say, don't write that down, don't put it down. Angel gives this oath, and he says when the, when the trumpet blows, that's the end of everything. And then he says, hey, take that book, go get it out of the hand, eat the book, and then you're going to, it's going to taste good, then it's going to taste bad, and you're going you're gonna to give it out. So let's make some, some applications. The first application is we want to know, we need to know God's revelation. We need to know not only the book of Revelation, but the Bible itself. We need to understand it. We need to understand how the end times fit together. We need to make sure we're clear on the salvation message. We need to understand how the word fits together the book. Listen, if a person came to you and said, what's the book of Romans about? Would you know? What's the book of Ezekiel about? What's 1 John about? What's the book of Acts about? What's Malachi about? How does the book of Leviticus fit together? For most Christians, we'd say, I don't know. Well, it's your, our book right? This is revelation from God. We've had it for a long time. We should be studying and digging it. So we've got to understand how the Bible fits together. We've got to understand these end time events, how they flow together. We've got to be very clear on the salvation message so people can believe in Christ for eternal life and be saved forever. We've got to understand how that works. And so what you need to do is, is eat it, Get, put it in your life, live it out and proclaim it. That's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing. Uh, So are we taking in the word? Are we living by the word? Are we sharing the word? That's what we've got to do. We see that in this passage uh, because John is going to get it and give it back out. The second thing is just realize this. God God will bring about his plans. It's going to come to pass. It's going to do whatever he said. God is sovereign and and is the province of God and he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And when we look at this, God's plan was Jesus would come and die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again, conquering death, paid for sin, conquering death, ascended back to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He's coming back one of these days. We're in the church age now and anytime Jesus could come in the clouds, we're going to be taken off the face of the earth. When we're taken off the face of the earth, there's going to be a, a little gap in there somehow and this antichrist is going to make a peace pact with the nation of israel it goes for seven years that's the tribulation halfway through the antichrist puts his idol up we see the judgments in the first three and a half we see the judgments in the last three and a half and then jesus comes that's revelation by the way one of the great passages in the bible revelation 1911 heavens open and jesus comes riding on a white horse and on his thigh is king of kings and Lord of Lords, and his name is the Word of God. That's Jesus, and he's coming there. He'll set up a kingdom, and then eternal, there's the eternal state, great white throne judgment, judgment seat of Christ. This is for rewards, and so we'll talk about that, of course, and more. But so understand how these things fit together. Finally, let's be servants of God. Just like in this passage, we see two things. We see an angel serving God, and we see John serving God. And it is our responsibility, as long as we're on this earth, to serve God, to live for him. Romans 12 says, offer our lives as living sacrifices for God. I hope and pray all of us who, who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life will also say to God, I have eternal life. I'm saved forever. I want this life on this earth to count for you right now. And I hope and pray you do that. I know a lot of the college kids are coming off. This may be your first part to college, or you just may be coming back. Listen, these are some amazing years. And this is a time right now to stand for Christ and to say, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ while I'm on that campus. And it's the same time for all of us in this community that we got to stand for Jesus Christ because our culture has gone the wrong way. We know that. And we've got to proclaim the message of Christ and make disciples.